Welcome to the Crypto Assets and Blockchain Podcast. This leads to an entirely different setting of trust, and therefore you have also entirely different laws in the enterprise domain versus the uh, public uh, blockchain uh, domain, including electricity consumption, transaction uh, frequency, and so on. Uh, this is not a problem, for example, uh, if Commerzbank is doing blockchain or LPVW is doing a blockchain project, then, for example, electricity is not a problem. But you see here that these two universes are also, at this point of time, largely separated, but uh, I would also think that these uh, universes will start uh, to merge. Yeah? You talk to uh, people from corporates, and they talk about hyper and Fora. You talk to um, people from the public area, they talk about Ethereum. And very often these two universities up until now are not uh, connected. From these two universities, if we talk about enterprise blockchain, um, then I would, I would really imagine that uh, in 10 years from now, you have um, most of all financial transactions somehow relying on uh, blockchain technology. It doesn't need to be blockchain technology, it can also be uh, general DLT technologies or other things. But what you see here is that also securities um, and other financial instruments in the enterprise domain will be uh, somehow rooted uh, in blockchain technology. Ten years is a long time, um, and therefore it's still late to make such a prediction. But therefore, I think um, uh, blockchain technology will be the underlying technology for the enterprise sector, even if it will take uh, some time. Blockchain is just one technology besides data science uh, and artificial intelligence, um, which are like old technologies in the area of digitization. And we will see here that these technologies taken all together will revolutionize um, the way business is being done. And this also includes universities. If I could have a daughter now, uh, which would be in the age of uh, starting to study, I would not recommend her to study standard business. Uh, because the business, the way we know it today, and the way also I have been educated, will in my mind entirely change because it includes controlling, accounting, and other things which will entirely be changed when everything uh, will be digitized uh, this way. That's also the way uh, why we at the Bankable School are trying uh, to put more and emphasize on digitization, including data science, including blockchain, uh, and so on. But this will all go uh, more into the area of digitization. And therefore, I think uh, universities um, also need to adjust uh, to deal with business and business administration being entirely uh, more uh, digitized. We see now currently also in Frankfurt that very often financial organizations um, have to deal quite uh, strongly with regulatory efforts. There are so many regulations coming up uh, such that very often the energy and the budgets uh, only suffice uh, to deal with all these new regulations coming up. Very often I feel that this also takes uh, up the energy for really dealing with entirely new topics um, because uh, these regulatory efforts are so strong to deal with, um, which is in my mind a pity because then very often the chances which are out there, um, which blockchain technology provides, um, cannot always be dealt with uh, because you have other problems first. Uh, where people have to uh, put their energy in. And this is very opposite to the following statement, namely that industrial companies um, ah, namely that industrial companies are also uh, in, investing big time in uh, blockchain technology. You see for example with companies like Deutsche Bahn, Daimler, um, uh, Robert Bosch, uh, Inochi and others uh, companies which are really investing 
investing uh, a lot of money into uh, blockchain technologies, and sometimes um, it's sometimes even easier for them because very often they are not transacting value but just information. So, for example, Merck uh, in Darmstadt, they are working on a project for uh, the, the tracking of pharmaceuticals. So here you only have to monitor information, not value. So from a reg regulatory perspective, this is much easier, which then provides uh, some kind of advantage to these companies. So what you see here is, in my mind, uh, that uh, the industrials can move much more quicker because very often they are not subject uh, to this strong regulation. And vice versa, we will also see that these companies are putting extremely much energy in developing these kind of uh, um, crypto technologies or blockchain technologies in general. What is meant here is that uh, even companies like Robert Bosch and others are starting to invest into, uh, into cryptocurrencies. That's fascinating for the following reason, because typically large companies like uh, Robert Bosch and others are investing into equity, if at all. But, uh, but since a few months now, they have also started uh, to change this paradigm such that they would also be interested in purchasing coins or tokens. Uh, it's only happened uh, in a very seldom way up until now, but I think it's interesting to see companies also changing their strategy, not necessarily having uh, to own equity in companies, but also owning a part of the technology when purchasing uh, coins. I'm very curious if we will see this happening more often, but I think uh, this is a strong sign uh, which is again also driven by the industry because there are different structures in, in terms of regulatory uh, frameworks. <coughs> in case uh, the regulators are dealing with all these topics about cryptocurrencies, then they should not forget uh, that uh, probably 70 or 80% of the entire innovation in the area of blockchain is coming from the crypto universe. It's not coming from traditional R&D units of large-scale companies. Yeah, so it's not Siemens and not R&D driving uh, cryptocurrencies uh, and blockchain technologies, but it's rather mostly startups um, internationally, for example also in Berlin, and uh, the crypto world with its crypto assets and cryptocurrencies. This should not be forgotten because if you are now starting to close this entire system down as a regulatory body, then you are also hampering the entire innovation in this field or you're pushing innovation uh, to other countries where uh, the regulatory bodies have a more constructive approach. So, um, I think this, is both, this goes hand in hand and should not uh, be forgotten. These were some aspects from the enterprise domain, and I would now like to switch over to uh, some aspects from the public domain, so that's the crypto assets area. So, in my personal opinion, I cannot imagine that crypto assets as a whole will be entirely forbidden. I think this is already uh, the past. Um, I think uh, there is some regulatory efforts being happening in this year and also strong regulatory uh, efforts um, concerning crypto exchanges and so on, but I cannot imagine uh, that crypto assets uh, will be forbidden for various reasons, uh, because it would go uh, to other countries. The innovative uh, content which is happening in these fields is absolutely strong uh, and cannot, should not be closed down uh, in case you are forbidding crypto assets entirely. But I still uh, think that regulation will target entirely the crypto exchanges. Um, this can be, for example, um, 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 like requesting from crypto exchanges uh, to not list specific coins. Yeah, why not? Um, then um, there, is, there are strategies out there, for example, to have specific licenses uh, out there which are also then enforced. Right now, we in Germany can also go to a Hong Kong-based crypto exchange, open up an account there, move money around the world, even without showing our identity. And uh, this, of course, has to change. And, uh, and the point at the end of the day will be regulated.
that the most strong argument in my mind uh, would be making crypto exchanges uh, like similar to current stock exchanges, which uh, would then also impose the same regulatory framework on them. And this would have in my mind a strong effect on the crypto exchanges because it would then lead to the fact that probably 60 or 70 percent of the crypto exchanges would have to close because uh, they would not be able to work with this newly imposed regulatory um, requirements, which are also applicable uh, to standard stock exchanges, which we all have in the world now. So, therefore, I think this will be very exciting to see what's happening here um, um, throughout the world, uh, mostly being led, for example, by uh, the, the large industrial uh, countries um, this year. You also see benefits for the government. Um, we did a tax estimation for last year. Due to the enormous gains in cryptocurrencies last year, there has also been uh, private gains, um, for example, with people in Germany. Um, it's estimated at this point of time that in Germany there are 400,000 people owning bitcoins or other crypto assets. 400,000, that's in my mind quite massive. And uh, if you are now taking all these numbers together, then you end up uh, with an estimate of 726 million of additional euro for the German state just out of private uh, tax gains um, because of uh, people who might have sold their crypto assets before the speculation deadline of 12 months is ending. Yeah. So we see here the state is also uh, getting something out of it um, and uh, even though that the tax rules are mostly not entirely clear, but most of the rules are actually um, pretty clear. Yeah. It's interesting uh, to see that at this point of time there are, there are so many crypto funds currently in the making, there are so many funds at regulatory bodies waiting for confirmation to be, uh, uh, to be able to operate. Um, people count that it should be 250 right now, for example in Switzerland, uh, in the US and also in other um, uh, European destinations. So you see here that actually this should be a massive uh, influx into the crypto universe, also leading to the fact that these up until now, entirely separated systems will start uh, to build connections uh, between each other, like the crypto universe on the one hand side and the traditional capital markets on the other hand side. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I discuss this a lot with people uh, because very often people say that Bitcoin as a technology uh, is already has become obsolete when you compare it, for example, with Ethereum and even more advanced approaches. But still, Bitcoin is hard-coded in more than 80 crypto exchanges as the base currency, which inevitably leads to a scarcity in this asset. So even if the technologies uh, might be obsolete, uh, everybody uh, has a different opinion here, even if the technology of Bitcoin uh, has become obsolete, um, the, still, the price might still increase just because it's a hard-coded currency uh, into dozens of crypto uh, exchanges. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because it's not just about the um, the technological brilliance, but also more or less about the, the systemic forces and about the, um, about the driving forces, what makes an asset scarce, which is, for example, hard-coding an asset into crypto exchanges. In my mind, if you have, have a list at the crypto exchanges uh, top-down on coin market cap, for example, you see at this point of time that most of the top-ranking crypto assets are infrastructure projects. So we see here that currently the infrastructure is being built <coughs> on which the applications later on are running. It's similar to when the internet occurred. First you had to use existing cables, then you had to create like fiber cables and improve the speed of the cables. 
to build the infrastructure such that now, 20 years later, we can have screening. And I think this is also happening now, and therefore, crypto assets uh, dealing uh, with infrastructure issues, yeah, Ethereum, Yota, Neo, and others, I think that's the ones which are currently the most interesting um, because it's the infrastructure which first needs to be built and actually that needs to be done a lot uh, from now on. The next point is also that those crypto assets which are entirely focused on building an ecosystem um, I think uh, are most interesting because very often you have uh, like the more older approaches such as Litecoin and Bitcoin where an ecosystem hasn't been uh, made of like from scratch there have, to be, have been some associations and some communities added here and there, but the ecosystem hasn't been involved when creating the entire approach. It has become a little bit different with Ethereum, because there is an Ethereum foundation supporting it and partly being strongly connected to the technology. But if you go one step further, then uh, you are with uh, approaches like NEO or even Cardano, where, for example, Cardano is a fascinating example. It's a brilliant universe. Uh, you have a dedicated partner for implementation, a dedicated partner to run the ecosystem, you have the technology being built, and even though up until now the track record is close to zero, the valuation is uh, still uh, like in the nearly uh, double digit uh, billions one. Yeah? So the, the, the valuation is enormous even if the track record up until now is close to zero because these people have built the ecosystem, which is not just around the technology, but also about people implementing it um, and using it. The most interesting areas for cryptocurrencies in my mind are IoT and developing countries, because that's exactly the areas where the financial markets uh, or the financial infrastructure up until now has no reach. Uh, the financial infrastructure, as we know it today, is not capable of providing uh, dozens of millions or billions of devices uh, with an old bank account. Yeah, imagine each sensor out there having a bank account, that, that would not work. So therefore, that's basically an, an empty market which could potentially be filled by crypto assets that's basically making IoT devices part of the payment system, such that IoT devices can, stay, can start uh, paying and receiving money. And the same is true for developing countries because very often you see here that uh, there are no banks, there is no financial structures. People talk about the topic uh, called financial inclusion, where two million uh, human beings uh, on the planet are excluded from financial uh, services. And uh, this is why, because the financial system so far was not able to also operate um, at fair costs in these countries. And you see here that with blockchain systems like Ethereum and others, this might change because now you have a trust backbone which you can use uh, for business processes like escrow accounts, money transfers and others. Uh, not with the currency of Ether, but potentially with other currencies built on Ether like a stable coin or other things. So therefore I could imagine that uh, the best application areas for cryptocurrencies which we will discover or which we might discover this year is IoT and developing countries because there is no financial uh, structure in these uh, large areas yet. Yeah, concerning ICOs, there has been some discussion out there already here on the conference. I'm really convinced that ICOs will, uh, to some degree, disrupt venture capital. Um, this doesn't mean that venture capitals uh, have just risks and no chances. At this point of time, um, there are quite strong chances out there for venture uh, capitalists, for example, in case they are uh, switching to seed financing, or in case they are acting as signal to follow on investors, so are there, there are good opportunities out there 
by law, you could also say that the venture capitalist is an intermediary, um, which is basically part of this entire game. And if you can take it away, because the role is overtaken by technology, then there is no need to keep this intermediary in its, uh, uh, in its old traditional role. And therefore, I would say that I think also disrupt uh, capital, um, but it doesn't necessarily render them entirely obsolete. But I think venture capitalists uh, have to adjust very, very strongly. And further on, you can even say so that uh, ICOs might become a very interesting uh, tool for further project and company financing, but only if the regulatory efforts are complied with and also if the, uh, if the entire regulatory framework has developed further regarding prospectus and so on. If you talk about traditional um, <coughs> companies in the financial sectors, the, uh, I'm the absolute opinion that the blockchain technology will definitely not replace banks and stock markets and other intermediaries. Um, so if people are saying that you are replacing entire infrastructure, I think this will not work because you always need to have an organization, somebody to call, uh, somebody the state can ask uh, where you have to have human beings involved. So therefore there are good reasons why intermediaries like banks, stock markets and other financial intermediaries, custodies and so on, uh, still have to exist. But I'm also of the opinion that their business will shrink because they will have to change their business model because some of their business uh, will be done tomorrow by the technology. So think about security transactions where currently lots of intermediaries are involved. The technology is the intermediary of the future and therefore the technology will take part of the business making the entire process um, a little bit uh, more slim, but at, uh, slim but, but at the same time also uh, leading to the fact that intermediaries probably um, will, uh, will shrink. And then the people benefiting here are the end-to-end -end points, for example, the producer of something and the customer of something, whereas the parties in the middle uh, probably lose a part of their value contribution. What happens here on the high level, I think, is the following. Um, that's a slide which I'm very often showing because what you see here on the upper hand side is information transmission, and on the lower hand side, you see value transmission. On the left hand side, it's the traditional world, and on the right hand side, it's the new world, the digitized world. And very often, you could argue that the latter, for example, is information transmission in a physical way with a stamp, high transaction costs. Uh, and you're moving information around physically such that it arrives at the other, other side. Then with the email on the right upper hand side, information has become digitized and most important, information has become dematerialized. So nowadays we are sending information around and uh, you don't need any printed out document any, anymore. So you are in effect, or everybody knows, that information has become dematerialized. And the question now is value transfers are also dematerialized. And this is an open question, I think, because up until now, value exists in a materialized form. It can be gold, uh, some kind of euro coins, euro notes, or whatever, uh, but value very often is uh, today still materialized. And with the cryptocurrencies now, there is a potential that to some degree, value is getting dematerialized. And the point is the following, if everybody of you is, uh, is is purchasing an ether or a fraction of a bitcoin, then very often we pose the question, what do we own now? And very often people are saying then, you just bought some zeros and ones, some digital stuff and so on. But that's exactly the point, because this signals that what we have bought then is value in a dematerialized form, which is just zeros and ones, similarly to an email. 
And therefore, I think um, that crypto assets, for example, is no tulip mania, which is coming and going away, but instead there is some kind of target bandwidth of capitalizations, such that uh, uh, the crypto assets in its total are approaching like a specific language of uh, several hundred of uh, billion dollar. Uh, similarly, like for example, gold has also reached a capitalization of 7.5 trillion and it's fluctuating around uh, uh, this as a market price. And I think therefore um, the value in dematerialized uh, in the form of crypto assets lead to the fact that you also have a specific bandwidth uh, where all these crypto uh, currencies are converging to, and this in my mind conflicts quite dramatically with the statement that it's a truly mania and all this stuff uh, fades away. Um, but this is an open question, if some, in case you would like to discuss this, I would be happy here um, because I'm also trying to make up my mind here. But with this, um, I would like to uh, close this presentation because I'm already um, a few minutes over that time. Okay, uh, thanks very much. Um, in case maybe the questions we go into the Q&A round. Um, so not. Exactly. We do the questions in the panel later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So thanks very much and uh, keep the questions.